Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. We are back to the March 2020 panic porn levels of COVID-19 scare tactics by the news media. It's just at levels that I haven't seen since March and April. It's crazy. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, we're getting the stories left and right. You've got Dr. Fauci out there talking about how we can't do Thanksgiving anymore. Uh, Joe Biden says we can't do Thanksgiving. Fauci again talking about uh, Christmas may never happen. You know, he's the Grinch. Um, But then we have the story, this interview with this individual, um, Jody During. She's a nurse in South Dakota. Um, Listen to this back and forth on a CNN interview where she's claimed that she's treated all these COVID-19 patients and they're all dying, but they don't believe that they have coronavirus. Even now, the, the, the hospital is being overrun with COVID patients. They come in, they're horribly ill, they're gasping for breath, and yet they don't believe they have COVID? Yeah, I think the hardest thing to watch is that people are still looking for something else and they want a magic answer and they don't want to believe that COVID is real. And the reason I tweeted what I did is it wasn't one particular patient. It's just a culmination of so many people. And their last dying words are, um, this can't be happening. It's not real. And when they should be spending time FaceTiming their families, they're filled with anger and hatred. And it just made me really sad the other night. And um, I just can't believe that those are going to be their last thoughts and words. Anger? And hatred towards you? Um, you know, I think it's just uh, a belief that it's not real and nursing happens to be on the receiving end of that. And that's okay. We can take that. That's what you're there for. It's just in the bigger picture when you try to reason with people of, can I call your family, your kids, your wife, your friend, your brother? And they say, no, because I'm going to be fine. And you're watching their oxygen levels, um, you know, maxed out on what we call vapotherm at 100% and their oxygen level might be 75. That's not really that compatible with life and we know where that's going to head. And it just makes you um, sad and mad and frustrated. And then you know that you're just going to come back and do it all over again. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of where that stemmed from. How could it not make your own head explode? They're gasping for breath. <laughs> Their oxygen levels are dropping. What do they think is wrong with them? You know, I think people look for anything. Um, people want it to be um, influenza. They want it to be pneumonia. They want it to be, I mean, we've even had people say, well, I think maybe it might be lung cancer. I mean, something so far-fetched. And the reality is since day one, when COVID started in this area in March, you've kind of been able to say if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's a duck. Like, I hate to tell you, that you have COVID, but that's what you have. Only it's not a duck. It's not a duckling. It's not even a goose. It's not even duck, duck, goose. Listen to this from the Red State. Uh, this is by uh, Scott Hounsel. On Monday, a South Dakota nurse by the name of Jody Doring made waves across social media as a result of CNN's interview in which she claims she is currently treating numerous COVID-19 patients who are denying the virus's existence while dying horrible deaths from COVID-19 in packed hospitals in South Dakota. The only problem is 
The story is likely false, and if not, a gross over-embellishment of the facts. Nurse Doreen, a Marquette graduate and licensed certified nurse practitioner, lives in a little town called Woonsocket in Sanborn County. And Sam- Sanborn County has had just one COVID-19 death since the beginning of the pandemic. This according to South Dakota's COVID-19 statistics website, which provides data from all of the different regions and counties in South Dakota. <laughs> Amazing. Doreen doesn't list a place of employment on her social media page, but Red State has determined she was an employee of Huron Regional Medical Center, where she has worked at times on the COVID-19 unit in the hospital. According to the hospital's marketing lead, with whom Red State spoke with this morning, the hospital has only seen six deaths total since the beginning of the outbreak compared to 22 deaths in the entire county of Beetle, where HRMC is located. At HRMC, there are currently only six non-critical COVID-19 patients in the hospital, one of which is in the ICU. There are no patients currently on ventilators, according to the state's COVID-19 statistic page, which she went on and on about later on in the interview. (laughs) It's amazing. So yeah, Thanksgiving's coming up. We're going to scare the crap out of everybody. You're not allowed to have 10 people in that house. Oh, you're buying a turkey for 12 people? Well, we're going to send the police over and and shut that down. You're not going to have Christmas, right, Dr. Fauci? Happening. We've got to get the vaccine. It's got to be deployed. And we can't abandon fundamental public health measures. You can approach a degree of normality while still doing some fundamental public health things that synergize with the vaccine to get us back to normal. So not until the second or third quarter of 2021, though. Christmas is probably not going to be possible. Yeah, I'm, well. You're a mean one, Dr. Fauci. I mean, he's the Grinch. He's telling us we can't do Christmas. What kind of friggin' nut is this? And you know what? Can I make two observations here? First one being, we lost, well, we we participated because we made it happen with our church, but a large majority of us lost the ability due to national lockdowns over the virus. Virus is coming to get you. Um, we lost the ability to celebrate and worship Easter. It was supposed to be 15 days flat in the curve. Easter would be right around the corner. Everything go back to normal. Nope. Suddenly, we get through the summertime, you know, pr- Gay Pride Month, ah, that's fine, go out there and just, you know, gay it up, get, get those par- parades rolling, you know, no social distancing or mask wearing necessary, we can burn down cities, topple statues, whatever. But then we get closer towards two specific holidays, one of which is very pro-American, but also based on the Christian ethos, and that would be Thanksgiving, right there, pilgrims? I mean, very pro-American, very Christian-based, where we give thanks to what we received and the fact that we were able to survive and we were just given blessings from God. And then they're going to try to cancel Christmas? The other thing goes back to that nurse. Remember, what state was she from? Uh, Yeah, South Dakota. That's right. That's the state where Christy Nome, the freedom-loving governor, who is probably going to be a presidential or vice presidential candidate. I'm just saying. Um, Yeah. 
she's uh, the one not calling for lockdowns, and it's their state that had the overwhelming of hospitals by one COVID death in one county and a total of six in the greater South Dakota area. But uh, but they're not going to stop. I mean, listen to this back and forth between this uh, town hall uh, individual asking Joe Biden about Thanksgiving. I mean, are we going to allow Thanksgiving to happen in the coronavirus land? People who are considering, for example, getting together with their families and others for Thanksgiving, would you consider, would you urge people to reconsider their plans? Well, here's what I'd do. Let, let me tell you what the health experts have said to me. Um, and it's not because I'm unique and president-elect, it's because of my family. They strongly urge that if, in fact, uh, we're going to have Thanksgiving with anyone, that we limit it to a maximum Maximum. They suggest five people, maximum 10 people, socially distanced wearing masks and people who have quarantine. <laughs> yeah, I, I really can't take these mandates on size, crowds and what have you, especially after they gave us all the middle finger and and burned down half the cities in giant riots and protests. And then when Joe Biden was a presidential elect, even though he hasn't been certified, they're going to turn around and dance in the streets. And uh, what was that god awful song, Dancing Queen? I think they were they were out there dancing to "You Are My Dancing Queen." Uh, it was horrible. Like, if anything, why did you pick that song? But anyways, that's a whole nother argument in and of itself. But I'm going to go back to a, a podcast I've done a number of times. It's my Thanksgiving Day podcast, and I want to go back through. Uh, and, and just revisit this because it, it tells the story of why we are the nation that we are. And I hope you guys enjoyed this segment of the show. We're in that new holiday season now of dinner table political recruitment. That's a wonderful time of year where the news media always seems to prep us and prep their minions for the holiday political discussions. And they'll tell you that this is what you should say. They'll tell you, they'll even subcontract points of view out to you so that you can feel as though you can make your arguments seem more thoughtful. And this is especially pointed at their newly indoctrinated foot soldiers. You know, those who are feverishly burning the candles at both ends to procure that $50,000 college degree in French couture fashion design armed with talking points and nothing more, no supporting documentation, no information, no deeper understanding of what they're spouting off, but they're ready to burst into the foyer, wide-eyed, enlightened, ready to spar and divide the family. Yay, politics! I mean, thank the Lord that we have bottles of red Zinfandel on hand to watch out, you know, to get us through these mind-numbing arguments. And we'll get the castigation of our founding. We'll get that speech about how evil, uh, the evil genocide of the white man, how evil they were in the Americas, how they were destroying and conquering and plundering as though they were commissioned to do so from the start. Hey, go out there and find that land that you don't know exists and kill all of those people that are on it and take it over for us. You know, because that's the way it's presented in school. And then they'll complain that, 
you know, look at you slaughtering innocent fowl. These turkeys, they have feelings just as we do. And we're killing them in favor of greedy consumption and evil capitalism. And you're over there emitting climate-constricting fumes that affect our climate and could be raising the degrees of the atmosphere from your big box, big corporation turkey fryers in order to celebrate a genocidal holiday of gluttony and white privilege. They'll talk about how oppression still reigns supreme in the land of the free, but to cure it, we need to remove the system of government that has been the most successful form of government for over 200 years and supports freedom and liberty. We got to get rid of all that. We have to have a system that allows for, uh, you know, think about, think about the system we have right now. They want to switch it with something that allows a sense of community and a village and everybody pulls together. We have a system right now that allows for an environment for personal success based on your personal hard work and your personal responsibility. And you know what? Sometimes that hard work doesn't result in the outcome you wish. Sometimes you're not successful even as hard as you've tried. But that, you know what? It's all right. You can try something else. You aren't mandated to be removed from your career as an accountant in order to be reassigned to feeding zoo animals, as that personal account from the Cuban refugee recounted on our previous podcast. Bloated taxes for a heavy welfare state simply because you're livid over the fact that you have a liability now to pay towards your education indoctrination, that's not going to cure the ailments of perceived inequality. Pie-in-the-sky manufactured and government-managed solutions won't be a fix. Pretending that overly taxed Norwegian nanny state nations are the model cure for what will fix everything in America and believing that that's actual democratic socialism. That, that, that illustrates the lack of nuance and critical thinking that has basically been eliminated from every college campus. And when everyone is sitting down with the bounty that was provided by capitalism... Tons of cranberry sauce. You might have it homemade from ingredients that were brought to the grocery store, which is a capitalist organization in, its, uh, in and of itself. You can maybe even get it in the form of a can. But you know what? Capitalism brought it there. Turkeys from, from everywhere, from small local farms, which are businesses in and of themselves, from the meatpacking industry, all brought to the grocery store all brought through a trucking uh, or company. You know, I mean, stovetop dressing or dressing made from ingredients that were all brought about by capitalism. You can use the history of Thanksgiving to debunk the entire democratic socialism's mythos. And this is from libertyunderfire.org. This Thanksgiving, we think of the pilgrims enjoying abundant food, but this was not their real reality. Few will mention the starving times, the first year in 1620 when half died of starvation. Harvests were not bountiful in that year and the next two as well. Plymouth was beset by laziness and thievery. William Bradford, the governor of the colony, in his history of Plymouth Plantation reported that, quote, much was stolen both by night and day to alleviate the prevailing condition of hunger. The mythical feast of the first Thanksgiving did fill their be bellies briefly, he reported, and they were grateful, but abundance was anything but common. And why did this happen? Because they had fallen victim to the socialistic philosophy of share the wealth. This disincentivized the productive base of society. 
Then suddenly, as though night changed today, the crop of 1623 was bounteous. And those thereafter were as well. And it had nothing to do with the weather. Bradford wrote, Instead of famine, now God gave them plenty and made the face of things change to rejoicing of the hearts of many, for which they blessed God. He concluded later, Any general want or famine hath not been amongst them since this day. And one variable alone made the difference and ended the three-year famine. They abandoned the notion of government or corporation owning the means of production and distribution in favor of the individual having property and being responsible to take care of himself. Before, no one had benefited by working because he received the same compensation as those who didn't work. After the change, everyone kept the benefits of their labor. Those who chose not to work basically chose also to be poor. And the government, corporation, no longer confiscated from those who produced to give those who did not. No government food stamps here. Ironically, all of this could have been avoided had Plymouth consulted history and communicated with their neighboring colony some distance south of them, who had previously been down the same trail. Jamestown, remember 1607? Two was a first socialist society where each produced according to his ability and received according to his needs, which, of course, affected supply. One cannot divide what does not exist. Our textbooks tell us that only one-twelfth survived the first two years for precisely the same reason, starvation. The problem, as noted by Tom Bethel in his work, The Noblest Triumph, Property and Prosperity Through the Ages, was identified by an unnamed participant as, quote, want of providence, industry, and government, and not the bareness uh, and defect of, our, of the country. Captain John Smith is credited with having saved the floundering colony by his, quote, no worky, no eaty government program. Once again, the Virginia Company was the government. And he was hated for it, addicted to the promise of getting something for nothing, even if it was always less than promised. The receiving part of the population will always oppose they're not getting their fair share. Sound familiar? Captain Smith was eventually carted off to England in chains as fast as the parasitic population could do so. Once again, why? Philip A. Bruce, in his Economic History of Virginia in the 17th century, called it agricultural socialism. Quote, the settlers did not have even a modified interest in the soil. Everything produced by them went into the store in which they had no proprietorship. When the settlers finally were allowed to own their own property and keep what they produced, things changed overnight. Colony Secretary Ralph Hamer wrote of incoming prosperity beginning in 1614 after ownership of land was allowed. When our people were fed out of the common store, they labored jointly together. Glad was he who could slip from his labor or slumber over his task. He cared not how. Nay, the most honest among them would hardly take so much true pains in a week as now for themselves they will do in a day. Neither cared for the increase, presuming that, however, the harvest prospered. The general store must maintain them so that we reaped not so much corn from the labors of 30 as now three or four do provide for themselves. So again, socialism didn't work in either one of the colonies. And when we think of Thanksgiving, we have to think of the abundant feast that they eventually had once they abandoned socialism. It's almost like the, uh, the story of 
of Israel in the Bible where they had to build the wall and they didn't have a lot of time to build it. And instead of them trying to just get together and just build the wall all the way around, it was up to everybody individually to build a section of the wall and place it up. And they got it done quickly, quicker than they imagined. Because even though you're working for yourself and you're working for your family, your productivity spills out into society and creates a nation of productive, liberty-loving individuals. And that is the message of Thanksgiving. And so when you're sitting there with your socialist friends, your democratic socialist friends, and they're bloviating about how America is so awful and how it's so oppressive, even though you know my wife makes more money than I do, even though women are succeeding all over the place as Hewlett Packard's CEO and down the line, even and look at the uh, you know devo- um, you know the, you look at all of the industries, you know you look at the fact that the NFL has given us tons and tons of minorities who are succeeding beyond their wildest dreams. Only these things can be done in a country of opportunity. And you do not get that opportunity with socialism. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. You can also catch the uh, podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn, iHeart, Spotify, Podbean, basically anywhere that you can find a podcast, we're probably there. You can also catch the uh, the Roku channel. If you have a streaming a Roku streaming device, get the streaming channel in your Roku streaming store. You can also read the blog, adriansladeshow.com. Donate, patreon.com slash adriansladeshow. If you'd like to donate, you pick the amount, or you can do it through anchor.fm. We'll see you guys next week. Happy Thanksgiving.